0: Thanks for joining us this week, and welcome to Mutuality Matters, a weekly podcast hosted by CBE International, where our mission is to promote the biblical message that God calls women and men of all cultures, races, and classes to share authority equally in service and leadership in the home, church, and world. Let's get into this week's episode. Welcome, my name is Blake Dean, and I'm here with my co-host Aaron Mones, and you are listening to New Voices from Mutuality Matters a podcast hosted by CBE International. And we are here with grief counselor, professor, and writer Kaylee Bradley. Kaylee earned her Bachelor of Arts from Mount Vernon Nazarene University in 2012 and finished her Master's in Clinical Mental Health Counseling at Ashland Theological Seminary in 2015. Kaylee has a background in hospice works, and feels that companioning and advocating for grievers is her life's passion. She's a counselor at Refuge Counseling and specializes in working with individuals of all ages with spe- special interest and care given to children's bereavement, complicated grief, perinatal loss, and chronic illness. Kaylee has completed training at the Center for Loss and Life Transition and is licensed clinical phantologist, Kaylee is also an adjunct professor at Ashland Theological Seminary, where she teaches grief and crisis counseling courses. She recently contributed an article we are going to talk about today to the spring 2023 issue of Mutuality magazine entitled Caregiving and Gender Equity in Interabled Relationships. Kaylee, we are very excited to have you and to talk about your article and your lived experience today.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it was a very kind introduction. Thank you. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Well, but before we get into the actual meat of the episode, Erin, I have to know, what are you watching, reading, and or listening to these days?
2: Yes. So we have actually been watching a few different things. Um, Well, I mean, The Mandalorian. The Mandalorian has been sort of coming out season three, which, you know, we're sort of slowly uh, continuing to catch up on. But also, um, there's this show on Paramount called So Help Me, Todd. Um, and (laughs) honestly, it's just one of those quirky, like, like, not really like a mystery show, but it's, you know, a lawyer and investigator and they're solving, you know, crimes and helping people. And it's this, this mother and son, I mean, mostly to be fair, we, we, my husband and I know secret, we've been obsessed with like pitch perfect and like, you know, like all these little spinoffs at the different characters and, and people or not characters really, but the actors and I have gone on to do, we were like, Oh, what's this? And watched it and thought it was kind of cute. So that is, that is something that we're, we're watching these days. Uh, but what about you, Blake Dean? What are you watching, reading or listening to?
0: I am. So I'm reading a novel by Thornton Wilder, which feels very appropriate. We're recording this on Holy Saturday and feels very appropriate for kind of this like liturgical moment. Um, it's called the bridge of San Luis Rey. about, um, kind of a Peruvian town where there's a central bridge that falls and five people die. Um, and there's a friar in this town who basically is asking the question, why these five people, it's a central part of this town. Like everyone walks over it. Why did these five people die? Um, and so kind of like goes into their lives and the ways they're interconnected and seeks some sort of kind of cosmic answer to the questions why each one had to die. And I'm not done with it yet, but I'm, um, I'm really enjoying it. So that's, that's what I'm reading these days.
2: I love Kayleigh, that. What Quir- about quirky, quirky mother, son, uh, TV show to, yeah. you know, the, con- the it's
0: contemplation
2: like, of death and sorrow in a Peruvian
0: It's like Marsha so Gay yeah, Harden and Thornton Wilder, like the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, Kaylee, what are you watching, reading, or listening to?
1: Oh, goodness. Um, so, My husband is a big video game person, and so we just watched the show The Last of Us, which is a Mm. a video game um, adaptation. Also a lot about what you guys were sharing, grief, loss, um, kind of a a post-apocalyptic, zombies running around kind of a show, but really loved it. Um, As far as reading... Um, I actually just got a book in the mail yesterday called "Non Toxic Masculinity" by Zachary Wagner. Yeah, <laughs> um, I'm only like thirty pages in. I started it last night, but so far it's really, really great, really excellent. Yeah, and then listening, um, my favorite uh, podcast is Kate Bowler's "Everything Happens" yeah. podcast. So yeah that's, yeah, that's that's cool. A little bit where I'm at. Yeah.
0: That's awesome. Wonderful. We just had Zach on the podcast, um, oh. so you'll have to go listen to the interview. Yeah, yeah. we've been Amazing. we have been jazzed about that project since we heard yeah. about it, and it lives yes. up to the hype.
1: It's very Absolutely. important, very important. Yeah, very cool. That's awesome. <laughs> well,
0: Kaylee, how about you get us started as we kind of move into your article and yeah. kind of the intersection of gender theology and. Um, and ableism, um, mm-hmm. and tell us a little yeah. bit about yourself and why you wrote the article, what the article was, and kind of what you hoped to yeah. articulate.
1: Yeah, so obviously, based on um, the introduction that you guys were kind enough to give, I have a background in counseling. Um, it's kind of my my core identity, I guess. Um, I love the work that I do, um, and both personally and professionally, I've just had a lot of experience with illness, um, and I can, you know, share a little bit more about my own personal journey here as we go along. But um, yeah, I think, you know, when you're raised um, in a particular, maybe more traditional theological construct, there's not a lot of room for um, maybe bodies that don't quite fit that paradigm or relationship structures that have to be flexible and move and grow as illness kind of creeps in. And so, yeah, those were all sorts of questions that I um, had kind of been personally wrestling with. It's, you know, kind of been an ongoing conversation with my husband and I as, again, as my own health experience. So yeah, that is kind of what inspired me to to do a little writing on the topic.
2: Yeah. Wonderful. Um, And I really, I really enjoyed your article and we're going to have a link in the show notes to where uh, people can um, read the article and, uh, and, and see the magazine, which largely is covering uh, a discussion of, of gender roles in the home and and women in the home. And um, something I found something particularly interesting in your article is that at one point you bring up these traditional wedding vows that people take, right? Uh, Like in in, in your case, particularly in the in sickness and in health, right, which is, which is a classic um, that. That people will, will, you know, remember. But um, what, I, what I found so interesting is with all the content and attention given to gender roles and male headship and the way we mm-hmm. think about this once a married couple kind of starts their life, um, it's interesting that the vows that, we're, that we give at the wedding are taken by both sexes to each other without any mm-hmm. distinction or mention mm-hmm. of gender roles. Um, and yeah. I, can you talk a little bit more about this from, from your perspective and insights?
1: Yeah, no, it's a good point that, um, you know, we say these vows and, you know, certainly for my husband and I, um, the in sickness and in health was, you know, something I think we just kind of verbally, you know, said. Um, And then, you know, I had had a a history of um, illness, but then in 2020 was diagnosed with a rare primary um, immunodeficiency um, called common variable immune deficiency, um, which, Essentially means in my immune system, I like to kind of joke, it just uh, misbehaves, <laughs> doesn't quite do what it's supposed to. Um, and, uh, and as a result of that, um, I have to do weekly treatments to kind of um, give my immune system what it doesn't produce naturally, um, to put it kind of simply. And I think what my husband and I found was that some of these expectations that maybe we had as far as how our marriage would operate, um, they just weren't working um, to be transparent. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't necessarily, um, have the energy, right. To Mm -hmm. do some of the things that I think I had put on myself that a wife quote unquote should do. Um, and so I think in many ways we kind of had to renegotiate, right. What, what does this look like and what is a partnership really going to look like? And, um, and in many ways, I think there were a lot of unexpected, um, I don't love the word blessing, but uh, mm. maybe gifts that emerged from that. Mm. Um, and a lot of, I think, fruitful conversations about, yeah, equity and, um, yeah, these roles that I think we were, we're kind of putting on ourselves and, and just didn't fit.
0: Yeah. I wonder, and uh, share what you're comfortable with, but I wonder, yeah. Yeah. was that was that a live conversation before your diagnosis of going, like, I don't really, like, was, w- were the gender roles in your relationship already... Um, were they pretty rigid in your imagination or were they pretty malleable already? I
1: think, and- yeah, it's a good, it's a good question. I, th- I would say that they were somewhat malleable already just, um, you know, based on who my husband and I were and, and what we really valued and, and held dear in our relationship. Yeah. But I think everything just kind of came to a head as far as like, oh yeah, these, the, again, these certain things that maybe. And I will be honest. Even I think I was putting on myself.
0: Um, yeah, totally.
1: I think internalized ableism is so real, right? And wow, yeah. oh gosh, why why can't I be doing X, Y, or Z, or why don't I have the energy to, you know, to do these things? And so a lot of it was my own internal work too of just reminding myself that, like, oh, I have a body that operates a little different, and yeah. maybe maybe that's not a bad thing. Maybe that just is. Right, um, yeah. I, I think one of the most insightful conversations my husband had, he and I had, was when, you know, I expressed, like, I, you know, when you have chronic illness, sometimes you feel like a burden. And I remember my husband saying, but, like, we're all burdens to one another at some point, right? Like, we all, yeah. I think, have those points where we really need one another. And so maybe it's not a terrible thing to be a, quote, unquote, burden. Um, and that was really, I think, helpful and healing for, for myself.
0: Yeah. That's very cool. I wonder, I'm about to ask a very large question and Go ask you to do it, it. very quickly.
1: It.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I apologize. That's okay. <laughs> um, let, let's lay a bit of a matrix or some groundwork of, um, when we're talking about ableism, particularly yeah. maybe in a, um, yeah. in a, a Christian context, mm. um, and you can take this however you want to, but maybe help us help those of us who are able-bodied and don't live with significant chronic illness or other, um, or, or other limitations. Yeah. Um, I wonder if you could help lay a matrix of mm. either the way that um, Christian communities aren't thinking about it, or maybe theologically why we should think about it and consider oh. the experiences of our neighbors.
1: Yeah, um,
0: it's the biggest question ever. I'm it thinking. is
1: no, it, it's such a good one, and I and I'm yeah. honored to talk a little bit about. Um, ableism because I, I think it is sometimes a hidden form of discrimination and prejudice and um, I'm ashamed to say that it really wasn't until my own experience with my immune deficiency that it became very glaring um, mm. early on and you know in the COVID pandemic you would hear things like well COVID isn't a big deal because it only impacts the, the older population or those with you know, compromised immune systems or underlying health conditions, kind of as if, right, that, you know, those lives were less significant. Um, And then I found myself with an immune system that wasn't working. Right. Um, And so I really had to contend with some of these messages that, again, uh, you know, shamefully, I just hadn't necessarily been aware of um, prior. So I think that, you know, socially, right, the way we value, certain bodies over others. Um, I I think transparently the church hasn't always done a a wonderful job at um, accessibility and accommodations Mm. for for disabled folks. Um, Unfortunately, the church actually fought pretty actively against the um, Americans with Disabilities Act. And so I think we have to take a look at that history. Um, A wonderful resource is called My Body is Not a Prayer Report. A prayer request my body and um I think that comes up a lot too the assumption right if somebody has disability or illness that um if they were just praying hard enough or if they just tried hard enough had more faith that all of these health issues would kind of go away um and so if I'm being honest there was a lot of, yeah. of, of, grie- of grief that had to happen for for myself yeah. over yeah. these last couple of years just kind of grieving um not feeling safe to be honest in in certain, um, you know, faith institutions. So, yeah, that's you know, there's so much more I could say about ableism. Um, I, I definitely can provide resources for folks if that's something that you know individuals would like. But I, I think just being aware, right, of how we value certain bodies over others, um, is a really important, important, important thing, and and I think a very Christian thing to do, right? Honoring, you know, those on the margins. So I always like to say, too, that, um, you know, Jesus's wounds after he's resurrected don't go away. Right. Those that Mm. body is still impacted. Right. And I I always circle back to that because Mm. sometimes we imagine. Right. That if we, you know, become a a Christian, that these physical ailments are going to go away. But, um, you know, even Jesus still had those wounds. So just an important thing to think about.
2: Yeah. No thank you so much for sharing that. and and we we believe this is a topic. We're only going to be able to just just barely broach today, but we, right. we do encourage right. our listeners to to yeah. really think more on this and to take this conversation yeah. and and some of the resources that um, that Kaylee is pointing out and uh, yeah. have a have a deeper dive on this because I know for myself um being someone who a few years back, really started feeling uh, kind of this push for thinking about justice in a Christian sphere and realizing that even with that, I had completely disregarded an entire like sector of people um, yeah. because ableism wasn't on that yeah. list. Like yeah. I wasn't thinking about that. And so like, yeah. it's, it's been, yeah, it's been a journey and, and continues to be a journey honestly um, and just really, really just thankful for conversations like this and and your willingness to, to share that because yeah, uh, this absolutely. is, yeah, this is uh this is something more for us to, to consider. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, but in terms of, of, uh, of what you are experiencing in, in your home with your, with your husband, um, I've, yeah. I've, I want to drill down a little bit more on this. Um, but first, we're going to take just a quick break to hear about some other exciting things going on with CBE, and we will be right back. CBE International highlights women in scripture and mission. At the time of Jesus's crucifixion, the male disciples were afraid and hiding in a locked room. But Mary Magdalene and several other women disciples went to Jesus's grave. Mary was the first person to whom Jesus revealed himself, and he urged her to go and tell the others what she had seen. Many churches remember her as the apostle to the apostles. Learn more at RadioWomen.org. RadioWomen.org. All right. So we are talking with Kaylee Bradley about um, just this article, this wonderful article that you wrote, and uh, we we just finished talking about. Um just thinking about ableism and and in the context of gender roles and gender theology specifically, um, if you have this, this partnership where you kind of go in and think about like, okay, we're sharing this life together as partners. It does create a little bit more of a groundwork to be able to, to navigate these things as they come up. But for our, for our listeners and for, for our friends who are in, um, marriages that it, adhere to a much more complementarian stance with gender roles, I think it's interesting how uh, a topic like, like this is incredibly disruptive mm-hmm. because if you have these ideas yeah. about these gender roles and like male headship and leadership and female submission and then um but you but you also use language with this overlay of like servant leadership right like this this overlay of service and you know, appealing to ephesians and thinking like oh i mean we do have these roles but like it's really about posturing like jesus and you use that to sort of qualify them and then and then you have a situation where you have to reevaluate how yeah. this lives out in real time in your marriage and in your home and then suddenly to be a servant leader like jesus forces you to do roles that you would have originally assigned to a more subordinate party. Um, but you might, and, and so I feel like, like this is, this is a, this is a real, uh, wonderful topic to discuss because in many ways and in many marriages, it would just completely, um, force a completely new understanding about, um, about gender roles and thinking about that if those are sort of like rigidly, rigidly set. Um, Mm -hmm. but it, it also brings up another, another thing I found interesting about your, in, in your article is that you bring up this key concept, um, uh, but the human condition of interdependence, Mm. right. Mm -hmm. And as it helps, as it helps us break down these gendered hierarchies, um, how do you see just interdependence for us as human beings, Um, and, and how can you, can you expand on that a little bit for our listeners?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think we've very much, I think in Western culture value, um, self-reliance and, and hyper-independence in, um, again, I think when illness, and I love that you use the word disrupts because I think it does. Illness kind of shatters these assumptions that we have about the world and, and how it operates. Um, and, yeah, I think one of the things that gets disrupted the most is this idea of like, it's bad to be needy. It's bad to ask for help. It's bad to like, you know, really need your partner and, you know, to help with some of these, you know, um, medical things that you're forced to contend with that maybe you didn't expect. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think we're all, I like to say, in some ways, temporarily able-bodied, right? Because bodies by their nature, right, shift and change and and so I think we yeah. often act like illness is this kind of outlier kind of thing. But honestly, I think it's a part of, of, of humanness, right, that our bodies, you mm. know, um, shift, they change. And so, yeah, I think being reminded that needing somebody else and needing help is not a negative thing. It is mm. um, actually, I think, a beautiful part of of, of being a human being. Mm-hmm. Um I think it is interesting we're doing this interview on uh, you know, Holy Saturday because I think Lent in many ways is a time yeah. in the Christian calendar that reminds us of our limitations and and that yeah. those those limits are um, nothing to be ashamed of. They're really not. So yeah. that's and a good the, word.
0: And that yeah. and that our limitations are what drive us to God's self and then ultimately to yeah. one another. Um, Absolutely. which I think that's a really beautiful thing about interdependence is not only is it our humanness, but it's not a, it's not a product of the fall. Um, The only no that was said in the garden was it is not good for humanity Mm -hmm. to be alone. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think,
1: Mm -hmm. I think
0: that that, Mm -hmm. um, there's a humility in that um, that's really beautiful. Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: So on maybe on that note, I wonder if you could talk about, um. how, and maybe we've already set you up for it, but how, how, how has Christ revealed a different vision of responsibility or imaging him mm-hmm. and his love in your marriage, or even in through your community, um, through your experiences? And maybe how does that allow you to preach the gospel through your life in a distinct way?
1: Yeah, I think, as we're already talking, I mean, things like humility and interdependence and yeah. kind of relinquishing that feeling of, I have to have it all together. And, yeah. you know, as a, as a licensed professional counselor, I think sometimes, um, as, as a counselor, I'm, we're often really bad at being vulnerable. Yeah. <laughs> we, yeah. we, I think we kind of, at times feel like we have to, um, you know, be these, what I call stoic professionals. And yeah. I think living with illness, um, has, again, circled me back to the, the message of, of Jesus is, is one that speaks to those on the margins who don't always fit. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, having a body that doesn't always fit, um, I I think has really put me in a space to, um, not only, you know, connect with myself in that way, but also be an advocate, you know, in my, Mm -hmm. in my profession as a counselor, um, you know, I'm really passionate about making mental health services accessible, training other mental health professionals on, you know, the unique needs that a, a, chronic, um, a chronically ill client might have. Um, so I, I think it has really, in many ways, um, stripped down maybe the, the pretenses that I felt like I had to put on to be a, quote, good Christian, mm-hmm. to be a good counselor. I think illness kind of strips a lot of that away and reminds us that um, no matter what, we're loved. Um, and that's mm-hmm. uh, I think a reminder that illness in a weird way has brought me back to mm-hmm,
2: yeah. yeah. Wonderful. Well, Kaylee, we we appreciate um, you sharing with us today, and uh, want to know um, if our if our listeners are interested yeah. in, in, in what you're talking about and yeah. would like to uh, support you or follow your work. Or, yeah. uh, is there anything we can point them to, or social media, or just other projects you're working on? How can yeah. How can our listeners kind of continue to follow you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my email is just my first name, Kaylee, at allrefuge. Refuge Counseling is my counseling practice. Um, we actually titled it refuge because um, our practice seeks to be a refuge for all marginalized uh, people. Um, and so we're, we're safe. We like to say we're a safe haven for difficult conversations. Mm. Um, we do a lot of work on the intersections of uh, grief and spirituality, spiritual trauma, chronic illness, mm-hmm. um, all sorts of uh, difficult conversations. Um, so please feel free to, you know, to Google refuge counseling. Um, I'm always available for for questions, like i said my my background is in hospice work, so my heart is grief, so folks are seeking or, or looking for resources to kind of help in and uh in that um, my I like to say my virtual door is is always open um, so yeah, that's probably the best way to to locate me
0: wonderful and if- if any of our listeners yeah. wanted to maybe read more um about the intersection of mm-hmm. um ability and yeah. Yeah. Christianity um where you already gave us one um one lovely uh resource what, yeah. where else would you point them?
1: Yeah, so as I already mentioned the title My Body Is Not a Prayer Request is one mm. of my favorites. Um there's a wonderful um, advocate, Stephanie Tate, T-A-I-T, yeah. that you can yeah. follow on social media. She's got some wonderful yeah. resources. Um, a beautiful book that I just finished called The Disabled God by Nancy Island is also mm-hmm. a beautiful resource. Um, and those are just the, the, a few that, you know, are off the, the top of my head. Um, That's great. There's some wonderful disability advocates out there like Alice Wong, who wrote um, some wonderful books. Judith Heumann. Um, who actually unfortunately just died, but she was instrumental um, in the Americans with Disabilities Act. Um, and her memoir Being Human is one that I highly recommend. Um, so and I'm happy, you know, to provide those to you guys if you want those in list form for folks yeah. to be able to access or if folks want to email me if they're you know wanting to to get kind of started in this, um, yeah, just this reflection on, mm. on ability. Yeah would be awesome.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, friends, we, we hope you get a chance to check out Kaylee's article in the spring issue of Mutuality magazine, which is available now in both uh, digital and print copies. You can go to CBE's website um, to see those uh, or subscribe to get your own copy delivered to your door. And if you would like to write or contribute to upcoming magazines, head to CBE's website and find out how you can get involved. Um, We'd also just love to thank our listeners for joining us today. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to the podcast so that you can hear weekly from our co-hosts and other themes as we develop content on gender theology for the gospel empowerment of men and women. And be sure to follow CBE International on social media. Uh, Go to the website for more content, subscribe to the blog, magazine, academic journal, watch videos, and listen to audio of past conferences and events. Um, And visit the bookstore where you can find uh, talented authors on subjects that will enrich your faith and equip you to see your God-given talents and leadership and service to the gospel for all, regardless of gender, ethnicity, or class. And we would like to thank Landon, our support tech, and the team at CBE International that makes this podcast possible. The opinions possible. expressed in CBE's Monas, Mutuality Matters Blit podcast Dean, are those of its hosts and matters. guests, and do not
0: to reflect the opinions or views of CBE International or its members or chapters worldwide. The designations employed in this podcast and the presentation of content therein do not imply the expression of any opinion whatsoever on the part of CBE concerning the legal status of any country, area, or territory, or of its authorities, or concerning the delimitation of its frontiers.